Hi, and welcome to episode 337 of No Crying in Baseball, the Patty's Wearing Red Sox gear <laughs> episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth, who's always wearing Red Sox gear. How are you? Yeah, I'm, I've got all my gear on, but I, it's nice to look across and see you wearing that glorious Red Sox jersey again, because it was so much fun when we got them, really. It brings back good memories. It was, yeah. So I'm, I'm wearing the um, the novelty jersey, the Jerry Garcia novelty jersey that we got when we went to um, Jerry Garcia Day at Fenway last year. And it's tie-dyed and wonderful. And weirdly, today I actually had, a, I, I try to wear something thematic mm-hmm. for what we're talking about. And I don't always have something that matches the teams that we're going to focus on. And today I actually had two because I have my Slam Diego shirt. Oh. And then I realized, you're not going to like this. I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize. But that's one that I would be more apt to wear like in the wild. <laughs> Whereas, Whereas this one's my yeah. like a very specific special occasion shirt, so I thought I'd you know this today was the day for that. Right, there really aren't too many occasions where you're going to be wearing that, but when it fits the occasion, it really, really fits well. It sure does. All right. Anything else exciting this week? Well, it's a three-day weekend. Yeah, I appreciate that. Happy Martin Luther King Day to everybody out there, which was yesterday for you, but it's tomorrow for us. And I hope everybody did something to um, to help somebody else in the world because that's what one should be doing to commemorate that day. So and I just realized I, I'm, I do three-day weekends badly. Ah. I always talk about how much I like them because you get that extra day of rest and you right. get a day to get things done. And I don't. I need to switch my order of things because I keep thinking I'm going to put off the get everything done mm-hmm. to the last minute when I should really get it done first. Because like what happened this weekend so far, <laughs> yeah. we're on two of three days, and I'm so relaxed because I've been practicing all the relaxing. Mm-hmm. I'm really good at it right now. So tomorrow is going to be really hard for me to get done the things that I think I need to get done. Yeah, I'm kind of on that that um, rhythm as well because we had a house guest for a week, so there was a little bit of you know end of house guests, a little bit of drinking involved, a little bit of recovering from the drinking yesterday, and then going out again. So yeah, I, I'm with you on the relaxing. Also, I feel like um, the other thing I learned yesterday on you know day one of three day weekend was there's only like 12 people that live in this town. Oh right, because you always run into them. Yeah, because you know I, I went out with with a friend who was not potty mouth. <laughs> And who walks in but the potty mouths and El Jefe. And I was like, wait, we did not plan this. No. Why? So is everyone else a prop? Yeah, and we were wearing the same shirt, which is even we were, And it was not a baseball-related <laughs> right. shirt, so I am still a little freaked out yeah, about that. Because that if, if you have the right impression of us, you know that we have a lot of things in common, but we have a lot of things that are not at all in common. And <laughs> our style of dress, other than baseball wear, is one of those things. That's funny. That's yeah. super funny. I wish I could remember the name of the drink that I had. It began with a B and it, had, it ended with an E-R, like Bavardier, Bav- but something. B- I Boulevard, hear it's trendy. It Boulevard? Yeah. All I know is it contained Campari, which is something that I don't care for, so I was able to skip that one and stick to the caramel-colored liquors. Mm. But it had a scent of coconut. It was really fascinating. I highly recommend it. If anybody's into Coma Park, go to, what is it, Coma? Coma Cafe? Mm-hmm. And have their cocktails. They're all lovely. They sure are. They sure are. Hey, so we, right. have, we have new people to welcome. Oh, we do. Shit. <laughs> I almost forgot. Thank you. Um, so, so much appreciation to our Patreon pals. We're going to be talking later in the show about how to join us on Patreon. But we got two new Patreon pals this week, M.W. Cherry and Chris Hofstetter. Thank you both for supporting our show and bringing us ever so closely Closer, more close. Yeah, I've had, I did have a little bit of beer before the show. Closer to breaking even. We're so close. Speaking of that, I'm going to open this next beer because our glasses are empty. I appreciate that. And we are drinking, you brought over some beer from Denizens. Mm -hmm. We're going to have a variety and we're going to start with the heavy hitter because, you know, why not? You got to start strong and then, you know, take taper off a little bit. This is third party. 
which third party triple. Third party triple. Oh, and, on the eve of the Iowa uh, caucuses. Right. <laughs> huh. Exactly what we need. I didn't realize how thematic that was. Yeah. All right. Oh shoot! I'm pouring beer, which means I can't grab my phone. Yeah, to, it to really video does you. mean that. But I you know, I'm not going to say no to the beer. Right, right. This smells really lovely, and it clocks in at, at a mere, um, oops, nine percent or so. So, all right, this is going to go swell. But, but if we split it, it's only four and a half percent. Look at you with the math. Right. All right. On today's show, we've got Teoscar, Marcus, and fun with arbitration. Our boyfriends this week are the Boston Red Sox and the San Diego Padres. Our police blotter again with Wander and Julio. Please let that be done sometime soon. We've got happy news for women in baseball and winter ball. Cheers. Cheers. So the Yankees have been picking up people that seemed right or at least right at a stretch. I'm, they could have Verdugo. I we were talking a little bit amongst ourselves about is Juan Soto really a Yankee? And I think that he might be sort of a Yankee inside, which I'm sad about, but I, I can see it. Mm. I can see it. But Marcus Stroman, the Yankees signed Marcus Stroman for a two-year deal for $37 million this week. And sure, there's he had a picture of himself as a kid right. in a Yankees sweatshirt, but he's a grown-up now, and he knows things, and he has opinions. And the Yankees don't strike me as a place where you can be a whole person and have opinions. I may That may be a gross generalization on my part, but <laughs> there are a couple other teams that I would have been happier with. I'm not saying Baltimore out loud, but, I mean, it seems like a, there are places that would be a better fit personality-wise? Yes. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not so sure. I think Soto also doesn't fit, but will. I mean, he, they're, they're both going to adapt. They're both getting a shit ton of money, and they will make themselves happy in New York under those circumstances. But I wonder about, like, Stroman. I haven't seen his hair recently. He's, you know, often had his hair a little bit longer, some yeah. dreads hanging out in the back, and he definitely has a lot of style and a lot of swagger. And actually, there's a great video of... A, a what do you call it? A confrontation, not conf- not a bad confrontation, but fa- uh, facing each other, Juan Soto against Marcus Stroman last year, and Soto doing the whole shuffle, which I really don't think is a very Yankee-like thing. Like I think I'm, I'll be, you know, curious to see how Yankees react to him shuffling. Behind the shuffle is more of a Yankee thing. Yeah, it's but, like, but yes, but actually doing that is right. like, It's not playing baseball the right way. Yes, and he, team. and especially because he's super exaggerated with it. You know, he goes wider with every strike. So he's shuffling against Stroman, and Stroman strikes him out. And then mocks his shuffle, and 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 uh, Soto took it in the spirit that it was intended, like yeah. like you know, cheers. That's yeah. you did it. That's how you can you can react to me, and yeah. gave him sort of applause for it on social media. So I think they both have a lot of spirit. Maybe they will change. I mean, Yankee culture for the better. Is that possible? I, it, it's <laughs> it's not impossible. Right. Let's 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 lower right. the bar. Mm-hmm. Let's underpromise and overdeliver. I like that idea. I sure. hope that comes true. This leaves at least Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery still out there in starting pitcher free agency land. So that's they're dragging on a little bit longer than I thought. I don't know if that means there's some smackdowns going on with evaluating deals or teams are waiting. I think I, don't know. I, I, I really wonder what's happening in negotiations. I almost had a heart attack yesterday because I saw a headline, and this might have happened by the time you guys hear this, that the Yankees had put in a, a reasonable offer for Blake Blake's now. And I was just like, fuck. And then I said this last week on the show that he also, I don't feel like, 
fits Yankee culture, even though apparently he does. But for them to have Stroman and Snell, where I would really have liked either one of those or both to go to the Red Sox. And same with Jordan Montgomery, you know, whose wife is living in Boston. Any of them, please go to the Red Sox and not the Yankees. Don't make things more miserable than they already are. But I don't know. I'm very disappointed with the Red Sox. I'll be able to talk about that plenty in just just a moment. Um, but I can add uh, one deal of a former baseball boyfriend of mine that happened this past week to Oscar Hernandez. Uh, he was, I picked him when he was on the Blue Jays in 2022 as an NCIB baseball boyfriend. And I, again, was hoping that he would go to the Red Sox because there was actually a lot of serious talk about the Red Sox having put in an offer that was reasonable, theoretically, I don't know. He's going, of course, to the Dodgers. So, you know, if the Dodgers and the Yankees uh, wind up as the winners of this offseason, it will be absolutely surprising to everybody. There's where the money goes. So the, the one of the big reasons, besides the fact that he's a good guy and a good player, that I wanted him to go to the Red Sox is because with Kike gone, I have two Hernandez shirts that <laughs> have no current Hernandez on the team. And I was like, well, even if he has a different number, who's going to really notice? Like, I'd be able to, you know, keep that sure. Hernandez shirt. I mean, I'll still wear them, but I just thought it would be a lot cooler if there was actually I, Hernandez on the team. See, I, I like that this is ingrained in you, the the, you know, the reuse, recycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Repurpose. Sure. So I've, I'll just hang out. I mean, there's a lot of Hernandez's out there. There's at some point there's, there's going to be one on the Red Sox. That's like always hold on to a Diaz. Right. Yes, sir. Sure. <laughs> and and that Garcia shirt, like it's on, he's on right. every team except for the Red Sox right now. I, well, that's not true. Just a couple. <laughs> um, Hernandez is getting $15 million in 2024. And then another, and this is Dodgers Accounting 101, another $8.5 million spread out. Over 10 years, between 2030 and 2039, $850,000 every July 1st for those 10 years. So the Dodgers total owed deferred money that they're going to be paying out to players who are not going to be playing at this time between 2028 and 2040 is $865.5 million that they will be playing for people who are not on the field. And that would be Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. I mean, maybe, you know, who knows? They might last. Um, that's not that. I mean, at least in the beginning, not 2040, though. Shohei Otani and now Teoscar Hernandez. So just the Dodgers accounting, just I don't like it. I just don't like it. I think it's a weird precedent, and I just think it's fishy. I like that on the eve of the Iowa caucus, you're worried about a weird president. <laughs> oh, precedent. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Right. Oh, got Both it. Those things. Okay. Yeah. Hey, so, shit. Arbitration. Oh. Arbitration. Yeah. 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 Actually, well, there's some weird ones this year. So arbitration, again, is that thing that happens when teams and players do not come to an agreement about contract numbers. Arbitration-eligible players are those who have a certain amount of service time. They're not brand new players, not rookies. They're like two and a half to three years mm-hmm. in, yep. and they're not free agents. And that, that part in between. So if they don't come to an agreement with the team, they can go to arbitration and have a third-party arbiter decide on what they get paid. So the deadline for teams and players to come to an agreement on contracts was this past Thursday. So you probably saw for your own favorite teams notifications about, yay, we successfully negotiated contracts with these five people or these four people or, or whatever for your team, that a lot of that happened on Thursday. Thursday morning, there were still about 100 players who had not gotten there yet. 
Mm-hmm. They had not gotten to a contract yet. By the end of the day, they were only 22. So it was a big day for those last minute contract decisions. Those 22 players are the ones that do the exchanging of numbers. They have their piece of paper that says, I think I'm worth $6 million. And the team has their piece of paper. Says, I think you're only worth $5.5 million. Uh. So they're going to go to a hearing about this. That that 22 was actually 10 fewer than they were last year. Last oh, year was a wow. record number. So many more teams and players came into agreement Good. this year. 16 teams were completely done. They had all of their arbitration eligible players had been locked down. They came to an agreement. They're fine. They don't have to do anything else. They've got their contracts in place. The notable deals, the ones that, that made more headlines other than, mm-hmm. oh, hey, this team that you like did these things, were... Juan Soto, who the Yankees signed for a one-year contract for $31 million, which is a record over, guess who, Shohei Otani, who last year signed a $30 million sort of pre-arbitration agreement for one year. This gives Juan Soto an $8 million raise. And my former boyfriend with the Mets, Pete Alonso, signed a one-year contract for for 20.5 million dollars for again for one year which gave him a six million dollar raise Jeez. the the really interesting thing about this to me is these were all one-year contracts and these guys both become free agents at the end of the season so they're basically rentals mm-hmm. at this point for a lot of money but there are there are a lot of teams out there who say you know the future's now, baby. You know, if we want to make a move, yeah. we gotta we gotta suck it up. We gotta pay. Which, yay, on the player side, yes, pay okay. pay them what they're worth, even if it's for a short term. Because if we have goals, here's what's happening there. Yeah. The holdouts are are a little bit interesting to me. Most teams had between like four and eight arbitration eligible players that were still kind of in limbo here. And like I said, 16 of those teams had them all wrapped up. The Orioles had 17 guys on that list that really? hadn't been locked down yet. Wow. So they have the most number of people going to arbitration. I think it's just a ratio that works out, right? They have five guys, including Austin Hayes, who are going to arbitration and a handful of their pitchers because they had 17 to start with and they just couldn't lock them all Jeez, down. So though, that's a lot of... Bad blood, though. That's hard. Yeah, Mm. the thing about arbitration is you have to go to this – you as a player go to this meeting where you have your team tell you why you aren't worth what you want to be paid. Super shitty. Which is is, is super shitty. Of the guys that are going to this, Vladdy Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going. He's asking for $19.9 million, and Toronto says – we think you're worth 18. That's shocking. I'm really surprised because he's just such a symbol of Toronto these you know. So they're probably going to have, the arbiter is probably going to have to weigh is being a symbol yeah. enough. Right. Or do I just need your numbers, buddy? I mean, your numbers may be worth $18 million. Is that value added enough to give you the you know extra $1.9 million? And here's the thing. There's no yeah. negotiation. Right. The arbiter picks a number. They either pick the player's number or they pick the team's number. So Luis Arreyes, who, you know, has won two batting titles. In each league. Right? <laughs> so he's, you know, currently with Miami. He asked for $12 million and Miami said 10.6. I'm, that's another, that's fucked up. I mean, but it's typical for Miami, I guess, but still. Adelis Garcia, who you may remember as the ALCS 
MVP with Texas has the biggest difference in what he asked for and what the team has offered. He asked for $6.9 million. Texas has offered five. I feel like he is going to win that one. I hope I so. don't know, but I hope he does. The Last year, the club side, the team side, won 13 of the 19 hearings, which means they gave the player what the, the team offered them not what the players suggested they were worth. So only six of those players that went to arbitration last year got what they said that they wanted. That's a big majority. That's like two-thirds. Look at you, math teacher. Look at you go. So the hearings, the hearings start on January 29th, and they go for basically for two weeks. They go to, um, to February 16th. I believe... Other negotiations can happen in between at this point, but um, otherwise, whoever's left of these 22 remaining players are all going to these hearings where an arbiter is going to say, which number, the one in my left hand or the one in my right hand? And let the, the players say, here's why I'm worth this and worth this much and have the team say, here's why we don't think you are. Yeah. That's it's a shitty, shitty situation, it's and I don't know situation. why you would. I mean, especially big names like Vladi and Arias and Garcia, like they all made a big difference for their teams last year, and then to have to go into this. Well, I don't know. It's a business. You may have yeah, heard that right. baseball is a business, and the and the owners want to make money, and they want to, you know, kind of cut down on those expenses. And even if you think that seems like a pretty close number, yeah, I think those add up. But it's weird. It's weird to think of those in millions. Yeah, to so think, oh, that number is pretty close to this number. It's like, oh no, no, that's a half a million dollars. I will never see a half a million dollars. So that is kind of <laughs> it's kind of a big difference, as it turns out. And I guess that makes sense then for Baltimore because if they have multiple of those, that adds up. Mm. So although you know, as as much as I'm going to um, shit on the Red Sox a little bit in general, they said they're one of the ones who settled all their arbitration. So yeah. it worked out. But you know, look what they had to work with, not a lot. So th- there's that at the same time. Speaking of the Red Sox, we're going to talk we, about we, that them. hardly ever happens yeah. here. But this is this is like my very favorite week of the year where we get to actually pick our Red Sox baseball boyfriends. I think you like it because it makes me talk about the Red Sox oh, in a yeah. positive way. And you have to yeah, you have to say something nice about somebody. Yeah. So um No, wait, wait, no, hold on. I say yeah. nice things about people all the time. That's true. You about, mean specifically about, about the Red, Red Sox. Sox. Exactly. Yes. Okay. All exactly. Right. But they do have their strengths. They do. There's there's some nice guys there. Tell and us uh, yeah, so I, I have a theme this week between uh, my guys have something in common. They're both, um, I, I think, potty mouth sense of humor. They're both kind of jokesters. You know, that guy who likes to kid around in the clubhouse, and that is definitely something I look for. They both debuted in 2022, and neither has a played a full has a played has played has a played a full season of baseball at the major league level yet. Let me stop you right there. Um, If you're new to our show, our baseball boyfriends, we pick a guy from every team. Each of us picks a guy from each team in the offseason. And these are guys that are good at baseball and we think there's something extra special about them and we'd like to have a beer with them and talk with them more about it. Right. So I like to have beers with uh, guys with a sense of humor. It sounds kind of fun. So it took me a while to settle down on my Red Sox pick for this year. One thing that had limited us in the past was that neither one of us was going to pick anybody from the 2018 World Series team because of allegations of um, of unfair play along there. And in you our favor, so yes, nicely. yeah, yeah, I, I don't like delving into that too much. Um, the only guy left from 2018 at this point, now that Chris Sale is gone, is Rafael Devers. So besides Rafael Devers, it was pretty much all open. However, 
There is a lot of instability right now in the Red Sox, and there's a lot of guys that we picked, like the ones that you know who are staying pretty much, a lot of them we picked, but there's there's talk of trading mm. because of them not paying extra money to buy a pitcher. So who knows what the Red Sox are going to actually do. Um, Craig Breslow famously said that he was going to go full throttle for a pitcher, and there's been no throttling of anybody at this point. So I don't know what's going to happen with many of the players. However, I figured that this guy, Von Grissom, hopefully is going to be sticking around because they just acquired him on a trade with uh, with Chris Sale to the Atlanta team. And that means, drumroll please, this is my one holdover guy from last year. Because we are allowed to keep one, only one, baseball boyfriend from year to year. Because otherwise we'd be doing a lot of repeating for you guys. And plus this just makes it more fun. Um, And so I looked at who I had left and who I wanted to keep. I was thinking about Julio Rodriguez. That would have been a smart move. There's a lot of moves that probably would have been smarter than Von Grissom. But here is my defense for why I'm picking Von Grissom, age uh, 22, going to be play second base. If you want even more details about him, go back to episode 282, which is where I explained why I picked him in the first place. And he was going nowhere in Atlanta because he's blocked by Orlando Arcia, who took that shortstop job that... I thought at the time Grissom was going to take, and then Ozzy Albies is at second base. I am just hoping that I get a lot of credit for Yahoo, because he was a shortstop, now he's second base. Maybe he'll get credit for both of those, and maybe even more. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. So as I said, the, the main reason why I'm keeping him... Um, Okay, so there are a couple main reasons. One, he's a funny, goofy guy. Also, I miss having a boyfriend on the Red Sox, you know, somebody who I could really stand behind. So my original beginning of the podcast baseball boyfriend was Mookie Betts, had him for a couple years in the Red Sox, was very excited about it. And then he moved and I just had those, you know, bad feelings. So I started shopping around and I picked both Bobby Dalback and Jarrett Duran a little bit early, like neither one has really come into them their their player self yet at this point. I'm hoping that they still do. I picked Jeter Downs. That was like way off the map. And then last year, Ref Snyder just didn't have the play. So I, I haven't had somebody since Mookie Betts that I could put on my fantasy team that I felt good about. Like I have a Red Sox player there. And then there's that balance that if I have a Yankee guy in my team, I want to have a Red Sox guy in my team. And I'm getting rid of Juan Soto because he's going to the Yankees. So I felt like I had to do a little bit of cosmic, like, you know, compensation for I that. I like that you're all in for cosmic balance as opposed <laughs> yes. to winning points. All right, yeah. By, say, keeping Juan Soto to have him on your fantasy team. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no, I couldn't do it. I just, I mean, I just couldn't do it. So, I, I, yes, yes, I'm making a conscious decision of Von Grissom over Juan Soto at this point. I don't know. Who knows who I'm going to pick for the Reds, for the Yankees? Maybe... They will get equal play. But I'm hoping that Grissom does. Um, is, you know, And I'm, I'm hoping that because it was really the biggest move outside of Lucas Giolito, I guess, that the Red Sox have done in this offseason to, to date. I'm hoping that more has happened by the time that you hear this. And it's cosmic also that Grissom is on the Red Sox. And you might have seen this in the articles, but also go back to the last episode when I talked about it, that he debuted in 2022 in August at Fenway Park and got a two-run home run 
over the green monster, all the way over. Like, that's just a majestic hit. And he became, in that game, the youngest player in either NLRL history to homer and steal during his debut. And I saw an uh, interview about, like, your feelings about being traded, which is always a shitty thing to do, especially to a young player. I thought he was very poised about it. And he, you know, was very um, cordial and and loving and caring to, to Atlanta fans, but said it seemed pretty cosmic to him that he's going back to where it all started. Like that that clearly Fenway has a lot of meaning to him. I also mentioned uh, way back when I talked about him before that he had done some winter, winter league time. And I love, you know, following guys in the winter leagues. He played in Puerto Rico in the Liga de Roberto Clemente and he played in the Criollos de Caguas um, 2019 to 20. The Atenenses de Manati the following year. His mom is from Puerto Rico. So there is like an, a... a real connection there. But he hadn't played since 21, I guess took a couple years off, and he went this year to play with the Cangrejeros de Santurce, so a third team. The Atlanta team gave him permission to go play for the winter. He signed on the 3rd of November with the intention to play the whole season. And I was looking at the rosters, trying to figure out how he was doing. The, The ability to look up things on the website for the LVPRC is not easy and going to the different teams. But all I could see is that he played left field and third base. He did not play this past season, at least as far as I could tell. He he did not play neither second place nor shortstop, left field and third base. And so I was looking into why that was. And it turns out when he was in the minors in 21, he actually played all three outfield positions. So um, just a little bit of a side note on the Cangarjeros. They are, they've become in, into a little bit of the spotlight in Puerto Rican baseball because their pres- vice president of baseball operations is Daddy Yankee of reggaeton fame. He's also part owner and on the board of directors. The Cangarjeros uh, had a great record and did well especially while Grissom was there in the regular season, but they lost at the Criollos in the semifinals, and I'm going to be talking about that a little bit later. But I also talked about, when I when I mentioned Grissom before, uh, that his high school friend is Riley Green, who plays on the Tigers and apparently also is on the reserve list for the Cangrejeros de Santorsi. So I don't know if they actually spent time together there, but I thought that was just a weird coincidence. Then there were some articles at the end of the season, well, not before the end of the season, after um, Grissom left the Cangrejeros by the manager, Wilfredo Romero, who came out saying that he didn't think that the Red Sox made a good move, that he doesn't think that he's ready for second base. And I'm thinking, how does he know? Because he played at left field and third base. base. Right. So I kind of feel like uh, maybe that's just a little bit bitter because he left before he was supposed to be leaving. He was supposed to be there for the whole season, and he did not stay. He did have a little bit of a mediocre 256 average, 598 OPS in 13 games. That's not a lot of time, though. So why did he leave instead of finishing out the season? Because he went to Story Camp. So right now, <laughs> Story, Story Camp? Camp. Story Camp is, I, I think it's over. I think it was this past week. Um, Trevor Story, your I like Trevor Story. Yeah, so he's your former boyfriend from uh, the Rock when he was on the Rockies. Yes, he remembers way back when when he was actually in the Rock- Rockies minor league system. Troy Tulowitzki, who was shortstop on the Rockies at that time, had a camp for some of the infielders to sort of learn how to play infield together and to mentor them into feeling comfortable into like you know coming into the team from the same team. Yeah. 
Yep, yep. Wow, so it was cool just idea. so Tuliski just did this with like, you know, Junior's Rockies guys. So now Story wants to do it to sort of pass it along, which is really admirable. That's some good so boyfriend he, credits what that is. Oh, absolutely. You should you should get some extra credit for that for sure. He hosted near his Dallas home and uh Tristan Casas, your last year's last year's, right? Yep. Um, Red Sox pick was there. Oh man. His Q-Har has gone way down. Have you seen recent yeah, pictures of him? He I'm has no more hair. Yeah. Or it, it migrated from his head to his face. Yeah, like, that's, that's not a good direction as far as I'm concerned. It does yeah, not Not my great. choice. Yeah, and before that, he was rocking cornrows in the offseason. Like, he he took a Q-Har spike, that's quality hair above replacement, trade Mark Ollie, and it went up, and then it went way down. I, I don't know if Story Camp had something to do with it. Uh, I don't think Trevor Story would impose, no. like, hair No, he's not a Yankee. That right. doesn't seem like a thing. yeah. Um, so just to have so first base, Tristan Cass is there. Plus Vaughn, you know, for for sh- second base. Plus Story, shortstop. So like for them to have this time to gel. And then there were a couple of um, sort of prospecty guys. David Hamilton had some time up last year, but I saw him more on the Woo Sox than I did in Fenway and Nick York. Um, so to be doing that, and they're all infielders. So they did fun stuff together, like play basketball and football. They did drills. They did batting cages. They went to a, I think it was a basketball game together. Um, and it was just to like, you know, gel. And, you know, for all the shit that's not happening or happening with the Red Sox, it's nice to have at least a happy story. And maybe I can just hope that these guys who are maybe not superstars right now, maybe just with like a little bit of training and a little bit of team vibe, which is yeah. so important. Yeah. I save my Red Sox. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm doing this year. I am sticking with Vaughn Grissom for a Red Sox baseball boyfriend. I would not have called that. Yeah. Well, maybe had I spent time looking at, at, at your past your roster, maybe I would have thought mm. of that. But, that, but yeah, that's yeah, no, I it's... like when you surprise me. That's <laughs> right. fun. That's yeah, this one super fun. definitely came out of, out of left field, clearly, and into ha. second base. See what yeah. you did there. Hey, so I am not gonna surprise you. I yep. bet. You're going to left field. I am going to left field. <laughs> I'm going to go with Masataka Yoshida, yeah. 30-year-old left fielder. And, you know, 30-year-old, and yet he was about, you know sixth in voting for uh, an American League Rookie of the Year because he didn't start in the major mm-hmm. leagues. And I, it was fun watching him play the, the the Jerry Garcia game that we went to. We got to see him play in person, and that made me super happy. Yeah. Um, he is a Japanese player, came over from playing professionally in Japan for seven years, but also he earned a gold medal with Japan at the Tokyo Olympics in 2020. So it's not just professional baseball, but also some amateur high-level baseball. He played with the Oryx Buffaloes. You may recognize that name. We talk about it a lot with the, the Nippon Professional Baseball League from 2016 to 2022. So seven seasons. Over those seven seasons, he had a batting average of 327. He had 467 wow. runs batted in and 133 home runs. He was a four-time All-Star and a two-time batting champion. The guy's got some chops, right? His favorite player? Bryce Harper. No. Yes. So uh, Wow. Wait, there's more. Hold that thought. Holy shit. He wore number 34 for Bryce Harper. Really? They referred to him as Harperson. His French bulldog is named Harper. That's all at, shades of weird. At the wow. game where, you know, where the, the Buffaloes were allowed to pick a nickname to be on their jersey, he picked Harper. He's all in for Bryce Harper. Wow. So Adam Jones, 
who I am all in for, yeah. former former Oriole, went over to play in Japan. I was going to say he was on the Oryx. He, yes. He, yeah. So he played for the Buffaloes and, you know, became friendly with Yoshida. So he contacted Bryce because, you know, everybody knows everybody else. Right. And he asked Harper to send over signed jerseys, not just for Masataka, but also for his dog. <laughs> and there's photo evidence of both of them wearing their oh, matching man. signed Harper jerseys. Jones didn't just do that fun stuff because they're pals. A lot, the Red Sox in particular, but also some other teams sort of used him as a conduit. Like when you are scouting, when MLB mm-hmm. is scouting international players, they are not allowed to make direct contact until that player is posted. So they could talk to Adam Jones right. because Adam Jones was not being scouted and Adam could express his opinions about what he was, he's the one who gave, who, who, who gave um, Masataka the nickname of the, the Japanese Juan Soto. That's awesome. So he was sort of a conduit for MLB teams in order to decide, do we want to pursue wow. you know, when, he, when he gets posted by the Buffaloes. So in last December, uh, well, actually 22, uh, yeah, so 12, 15, 2022, a year ago, December, Yoshida came over and signed a five-year contract with Boston for $90 million, which was the highest amount ever, uh, a contract ever for a Japanese infielder. At that time, yeah. Well, infielder, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes, but, but, oh. but I just, my Giants boyfriend, I think, oh, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just, you're right, just you're broke right, you're up. Right. At his, uh, well, so, that's not Japanese, he's Korean. He's Korean. Never mind. Um, th- this part is for you. Potty mouth because there's there's some stories about his interpreter. Oh, awesome! That you might enjoy. So when he's introduced by the Red Sox at his press conference, he decides to address the crowd in English, and he says, "I'm Masataka Yoshida. I'm 29 years old. I've played for the Oryx Buffaloes for seven years. I don't speak English. So <laughs> nervous. I Aww. want to learn English and I want to speak it. I'm honored to be with Red Sox Nation. I'll do my best." Thank you. But he said that in English, he right? He said it in That's English. That's hard. But wait, there's more. So, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. So he's all in. He's all in. He's like, okay, this is going to be my place. I want to communicate in English. I need to learn this. I want to learn this. It's yeah. not just to get by. This is something I really, really want to do. He was, I, the Red Sox for sure have team, have scouts mm-hmm. that are based in other countries. I'm sure other teams do. So there is a scout who um, his name is is Kentu Matsumoto. He's based in Japan, and he heavily scouted Yoshida, and again could not make contact with him. So had to right. watch him from afar and sort of report back. So for years he was saying, "We want this guy. We want this guy. We want this guy." His background: he started as an interpreter. Oh, cool. but and he was like working at hotels, like hospitality industry, and then that sort of morphed into working for baseball teams, which then he did that for so long that people that he worked with on the MLB side said, we think you could be a scout because you've been in baseball for so long, you know what you're looking at. So Mm -hmm. he went from interpreter to scout. And then he went back briefly to interpreter. So one of the things that he did as a scout was go up on a Ferris wheel, which is outside of left field at one of the Japanese baseball (laughs) stadiums, and take footage of Yoshida playing in the outfield That's from above. I mean, this wow. is kind of going like, uh, I, I want to say above and beyond, but that seems yeah, like I'm, I'm pushing definitely a, above a pun there just a little bit. But he got a call to be an emergency interpreter 
for Yoshida when he was coming over for spring training. So Masataka wanted to come early to spring training because of the World Baseball Classic. He wasn't going to be able to stay for long, and he wanted to get to know his teammates. That wasn't enough time for his interpreter to get his visa lined up. Oh, wow. Whereas this scout, uh, Matsumoto, was able to come over for a little while. So they called, so the Red Sox called him and said, hey, emergency interpreter needed, please come over for a couple (laughs) of weeks until we get this sorted out. They'd never met because, again, he had to scout from a distance. You know, (laughs) usually just from, you know, the stands, but occasionally apparently from amusement park rides. So he came and met him like on the flight over, I think, or upon arrival in the United States to be his interpreter for a couple of weeks. And I liked the way he talked about how he functions in a, as an interpreter because because Yoshida was talking about, I really want to learn English, mm-hmm. he let him take the lead and initiate the conversations oh. in English as much as he could. And he was there as a resource. He didn't insert himself. He kind of was there to help when help was needed, but kind of let Yoshida lead the way, which I, I, you know, I've never worked as an interpreter, but it seems like a really good teaching tool. Yeah, absolutely. So that was pretty cool. So again, I said spring training was cut short this past year because um, Yoshida was playing for Japan in the World Baseball Classic. He was part of that team that won the whole shebang. He set a record with 13 runs batted in in only seven games. He had an OPS of 1.258, and it was struck out only once. And then in the semifinals against Mexico, the score was tied 3-3 in the seventh, and he hit a two-out, three-run homer to send them to the finals. So kind of a big deal. Once he started with the Red Sox in April on the 23rd, he had two home runs in the same inning versus Milwaukee. One of those was a grand slam. Now, I know there are some people who have hit two grand slams in an inning. We've talked about that, but this is still a BFD, right? So he had a great first half of the 2023 season, and then things went downhill for him for a bit. Things picked up when um, GQ Japan (laughs) voted him the 2023 best baseball player. Wow. So he's got a a photo spread with that? There is a photo of him in this jacket that when I saw on his Instagram, it looked like it was like a prom picture. Oh. Because it was sort of like this burgundy, like tux jacket. But he's very sharp. He, you know, he, they, they, they styled him very nicely. He also, in 2023, in in December, this past, like last month, he went to Cambodia um, to support Kids Without Borders, including making a donation to school there. So he's, again, one of those guys who Mm -hmm. I'm not just going to write the check. I'm going to get my boots on the ground. I'm going to go deliver this check and meet the people. This is going to help and see what I can do in person to help. So I'm really appreciative of that. Because his season didn't end the way it started, he wrote this really sweet, heartfelt message to Red Sox fans where he said, I'm going to work hard in the offseason so that next season I'll come back stronger and deliver the results that the Red Sox fans can be proud of. And I'm sure that Red Sox fans took that with the equal amount of grace and poise as it was said. (laughs) I am sure. So the first thing he's done so far in the new year to um, endear himself further to Red Sox fans, if that wasn't Mm -hmm. enough right there, is Under Armour provided him with cleats that are all um, customized with Boston landmarks on them, including, including the Green Monster. So yeah. All right. That sounds good. I hope he sticks around. I really. Hope hey, he how's your around. how's your dad feeling about him? About um, Yoshida? Yeah. 
Um, I think generally positive. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dad's just really concerned about pitching, as we all are, that the Red Sox have got to do something about the pitching. But I think he's he's all right with Yoshida out there in left field. Can I just say, your beer is not just empty, but really empty. It is really empty. But you know what? I'm about to talk, and you have a little bit of beer, so maybe those two things will equalize, and then by the end of your beer, while I'm talking, you can refill the next thing. Oh, which math. Is, you are so good go. at math. There we go. All right, we are off to the Padres. That's kind of a big leap from Boston all the way to San Diego. The weather is much nicer there. And the Padres picking were was difficult um, for, I, I think, a couple of reasons. <laughs> yeah, for sure. One is because we've picked a lot. I mean, we've been around for a while, and we've picked a lot of the good players there. Um, and then another is that the Padres have had a pretty fucking miserable offseason where they haven't done shit to the point where – they don't have a full team at this point. Like, they don't have enough players for us to pick from. They have only two guys lifted, listed in the outfield. Yep. And I'm picking one of them. So in the, and in you'd the, already picked the other one. Right, right. And Tatis, right, He they and that's where you, like, your old joke about the million shortstops on the, on the Padres, because Tatis was supposed to be this stellar shortstop. So he's one of the outfielders. And the other guy is Jose Asocar, who is center fielder, 27 years old. Nickname is Sugar because Asocar sounds a lot like Azucar, which is sugar. Despite the fact that I've always said Jose Sucre is sugar Jesus, but it's not. Sucre is, I don't. I think that's French. Right. It's not Spanish for, for sugar. All I know is Azucar is like, what are like the, the, like the 12 words in Spanish that right. I'm confident about? Well, it's, it's important if you need some for your coffee. You know, and I do, con, I do so much. There you go. So why, besides the fact that he was there, is he my baseball boyfriend? So, you know, I started looking for other signs of life. And one is because I get to say Answategi again. Oh, so, I love when you say Answategi. It's great. So he played just this past season on the Caribes de Answategi in the Venezuelan League. Uh, the team didn't make it to the round robin stage, which is what's going on right now, which is why Williams Astudillo ended up in the Dominican Republic and is now playing in Lidom, because I was very confused by that. Estudio was playing in his home of Venezuela with Answategi and Asocar, but they just didn't quite make it. Um, Asocar did pretty well with Answategi. He was batting 274 with 731 OPS. He's from an area called La Guaira, which has its own team, the Tiburones, which is where the um, uh, whole Acuna kerfuffle went on. Acuna was there. But he was traded to Answategi for Oswaldo Cabrera, also of the Yankees, before this season. And he is one of very few players. Unfortunately, I couldn't find the exact number, but I know it's small who debuted in Major League Baseball before Venezuelan baseball because he debuted in 2022 in MLB and that later that year, 2022, for Venezuelan. So despite the fact that he's one of two outfielders, everything that I saw said that he's not a sure thing for opening day. So I don't quite understand that. So going going back into his childhood, he learned baseball from his dad. You know, baseball is definitely popular in Venezuela. But his uncle, Oscar Asokar, played in Major League Baseball for three years, one year with the Yankees in 1990, and then two years with the Padres. So there's a little bit of a cosmic come around here, 91 to 92. So he played in MLB for three years, but he was really big in Venezuelan baseball. He played in Venezuelan baseball. Well, this would be 20 years. Let me do math on the fly. From 1983 to 2003 
with five different teams. I believe there are only six. And he started as a pitcher and he was transferred to outfielder. And he is a member of the Caribbean Hall of Fame. Sadly, he died of a heart attack in 2010 at age 45. So he does not know that his nephew is, you know, following in his footsteps for the Padres. But it's definitely a meaningful carry on for the family. Very, very young age, maybe partly because of his his dad's encouragement and his uncle's influence. He left home at age 14 to live and learn at a baseball complex, which was very hard for mom. And I can I can definitely, you know, empathize with her on that. But he she she talked about how he was um, mature at a young age because he made these decisions and he went. He went and did this and got drafted in 2012 by the Tigers at age 16. He was in the Tigers minor system for a long time, to the end of 19. Uh, the big thing for him is that he got to meet his idol, Miguel Cabrera, Cabrera who's on Not the Tigers. Yeah, right. Yeah, definitely. Different idol. Makes sense, though, um, from being from Venezuela. He said that he admired him both as a person and a player. So he admired what he meant for, for Venezuelan people. He didn't get brought up on the Tigers. He was just in the minors, but at least he got to hang out with him. Um, he did excel in 2019 in his last year in the Tigers minor system. Rookie of the year at the Eastern League. All-star, number one in hits, number two in batting average. He was signed by the Padres in November of 2020. He spent nine years total in the minors. And I saw a, an interview with him where he, the, the and it's Anne something, who's one of these Padres reporters who all the Padres fans really love. She's really great. But she asked him if he ever had, after nine years, how was he feeling? Did he doubt that he would make it? And he very emphatically, he said no. Like, he just kept that confidence. He always knew that he would make it at some point. So he debuted as a Prince runner. But two days later, in his first at-bat, he got a single RBI. So he's been up and down a bunch the past two years, which is why I guess they're a little iffy for him for opening day next year, despite him being one of two outfielder. He played 98 games in 22, 55 in 23. Um... His average, I mean, it's not terrible. It's not great. 245 average, 633 OPS. He got some extra time at the beginning of 23 due to Tatis' suspension and then had some injury issues, and that brought him down also just needing to approve. But he had a couple of um, notable things, which also kind of endears him to me to, to be a baseball fo- boyfriend in May of 2023. He got a little league home run against the New York Yankees. So I love to see that. That means he hit a single and scored because there were two errors. Harrison Bader from, uh, I think it was in center field, overthrew like crazy to home. And then Kyle Higashoika, who's now actually on the Padres, just will be this season, then overthrew back <laughs> trying to throw out the run in third. So it was a li- it's a comical video to watch, and I think I've watched it about 10 times at this point. <laughs> so I highly recommend that. Also, the, the Venezuelan newspaper, El Meridiano, in May 2023, I guess for a very brief, brief period of time, he was tied for third in MLB for what they called spring speed, which I think is sprint speed, with Trey Turner and Corbin Carroll, two of my former baseball boyfriends. I guess I like them fast. He, at that point, he was clocked at 30.1, uh, is it, shoot, feet per, feet per second. second. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he ended up, though, still number 13 for all of 2023 with 29.7 feet per second. Or... Yeah, 30 and up is considered elite. Okay. Yeah. So he's he's pretty damn close to elite. Uh, it is his best stat. 
along with his arm strength. The Venezuela impressed, though, and then here's here's where I get a little bit optimistic for my versatility with my fantasy league, says that he has the versatility to cover any position. I couldn't find a lot of evidence of that, but, you know, I, I'll just believe them because they're, they know him, right? Since, Blind since faith is our yeah. friend. His first career home run was in September of 23, a three-run home run in the ninth inning against the A's. His locker was next to my 19 A's baseball boyfriend, coincidentally, Jerkson Profar, who is currently a free agent, actually, but also currently raking on the Estrella Orientales and Lidam. And what I loved about it is that they were they loved joking around together. Like they were sort of like the comics in the locker room. I mean, I think there's a lot of comics in that locker room. But he said that they were like brothers. Since coming to the United States in 2015, way back when, he's always sent money home, even when he was in minors, even when he wasn't really making much money. And during the pandemic, when there was no money to be had in baseball, he gave baseball lessons in order to send money back home, not only to his dad, but also to the neighbors. And he said, they don't have any money or any income, so I wanted to help them. I don't want people just to remember me because I play baseball. I want them to remember me a good person, too. And he said that he'll do it for the rest of his life. So huge baseball boyfriend points there for, you know, giving back and supporting where he came from. His wife, I was, took a deep dive really trying to find more about her. Very gringa, like not, definitely not from Venezuela. His name is Madeline. They've been together since since at least 2013, according to their Instagrams. She seems to be a pretty successful realtor working for Boss Lady Realty in Michigan. And That's the name? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, she's Boss Lady Realtor. And I she, thought that was just a descriptor, yeah. but that's actually the business name. Yeah, it's, it, it seems to be because there were other Boss Ladies along with her. So I think well, good for them. Yeah. They, she seems to be doing pretty well. And they have a really adorable little girl. There was some stuff about a little boy and I just I couldn't put it all together there was just not enough time information out there so I'm not entirely sure if there's another kid or not but Layla is really cute she's almost three and there's curly haired pictures of her in Padres uniforms really really cute so I would I hope to find out more about Jose Azucar I would also love to know how he I mean I think being married to a U.S. born wife probably helps but his English is really good he did that interview completely in English nice. and you know very fluently so see how he does how he does so my dream was to completely fake potty mouth <laughs> and like list all the notes about a player as a boyfriend and then say oh I picked Manny Machado and then switch and then I thought I'm having dinner at your house <laughs> That would be bad form. I, I, you have, I, for some reason, no. I thought you already picked Manny Machado. No, I just use him as revenge for all, all right. the Kike discussion. Yeah, and that was my you say Kike, I say Manny. Right. So that's checked off the list. So who I actually picked for the Padres is second baseman, twenty-eight-year-old Matthew Batten. He's from Shelton, Connecticut. And please help me with this pronunciation. Uh, is it Quinnipiac? Quinnipiac. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I have read. Quinnipiac for mm-hmm. years. They're actually really weirdly important in political polling. Yeah, yeah. My cousin went there yeah, for a okay. couple of years. So um, he played for four years, which you almost never hear about. He played for Quinnipiac for four years and is their all-time career hit leader. Wow. Players don't, if they're going to the draft, they go into the draft at the end of junior year. Mm-hmm. So he played extra time and got picked super low 
in the 2017, uh, 2017 draft, in the 32nd round, again, a round that does, no, does not exist anymore, and he was already 22 yeah. years old. So he was wow. older. He had played longer in college and just sort of barely got in, right? So he is a story of perseverance, of hard work, surprising absolutely no one that I would pick him for these things and not <laughs> just because I needed more infielders and ah. because Manny Machado would be bad for him in the potty mouth household. So, <laughs> so that was 2017 draft. So in 2018, he started at high A, Lake Elsinore. He played six positions in 13 games at high A. Wow. I hope you get credit for that. He bumped up to double A. His very first hit at double A was a grand slam. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. So in 2019, he started the season with two games at double A and then got called up to triple A when your pal Luis Arias oh. got his call up to the majors. So his story, I mean, as you know, when guys get called up, it's because either someone yeah. got called up or someone got hurt. Yeah. And in this case, there's, there are several boyfriends involved in the yeah. progress that this new boyfriend of mine has made. Right. Nice. So he got his call up and. That's in the 2019 season at AAA. He played four positions, plus he pitched seven innings. Wow. In 109 games. Okay. Super versatile. He credits his dad for his work ethic and also his college coach. His college coach give, gave this advice, which clearly he has followed, because he played shortstop in college. He was drafted as a shortstop. His college coach said, if they ask you to do something, say you will do it. Right? So he yeah. is... Mr. Utility Guy. He debuted with the Padres in June of 2022 as a pinch runner. His first hit was on July 4th. His first pitching appearance was August 5th versus the Dodgers, in which he also threw his first strikeout as a major league pitcher. Wow. Right. Of Tyler Anderson. He only had 22 at major league at bats in the in that season, 2022 season, right? It was not good. He was a not, not a good batter. Okay. Um, but he played second base, third base, left field, and pitched a total of two innings. So wow. even in that short period of time, they moved him around a whole bunch. This past season, in 2023, he started with A El Paso, the Chihuahuas. He played Love all that. of the infield positions and both outfield corners. And when asked about, okay, so you... But you've been up, you've been down, you've been back and forth. And he said, my confidence has not wavered. He's got eye on the prize. It's like he got pushed back down, but he knows he's coming back. And this is important because, mm -hmm. you know, this keeps happening. His his um, big break came when my former boyfriend, Nelson Cruz, was DFA'd. Aww, was DFA'd was on the sad. 4th of July in 2023. Oh, so Batten got his call up from El Paso. And they referred to him as not much of an offensive threat, but his flexibility is why he was – because remember, because yeah. Nelson Cruz was pretty much just designated hitter, yeah. and they needed the versatility. They needed – as you said, there's nobody on the team right now. Yeah. They needed someone who could play a lot of positions. So he could play all the <laughs> infield, and he could be a pinch runner. His first home run was July 9th, so just a few days later, um, and it was at his first major league at bat. Of wow. the 2023 season, which is super cool. That's and it was a two-run homer in a win over the Mets where they won three to one. So that home run made the difference. And when he was asked about that, his first major mm -hmm. league home run, he said, well, that's why you play. You don't play for individual things. It's a first. It's cool. It's something I'll appreciate forever. But it definitely means a hell of a lot more doing it with a win. That's the end goal here. 
There's no more moving up. You play to win the game here. So that's awesome to do it. So again, it's like the bigger picture. It's not mm-hmm. just like the personal stats. It's not like, oh, if I do well, they'll pull me back up to the next level. He's already at that level. Well, he was only at that level for, a, well, he was there for a little while. He got sent down a month later on August 8th. But then mm. my um, my past once and forever boyfriend, right. Jake Cronenworth, broke his wrist when he was hit by a pitch. So Matthew got an, yet another call up at that point and then my favorite home run of his happened on the, the 27th <laughs> That's a few, cool a few that days you have a favorite <laughs> i do because it was a second career home run it was 376 feet against milwaukee it landed on top of the outfield wall and it stayed that's crazy. There at American Family Field. That doesn't happen. You see home runs that bounce off the wall. They bounce off the wall. Yeah. They hit the top and they go somewhere else, either back in the field or out of the field. It stopped. And it just sat there on top of the field. And I think that is super cool. And I'm hoping there are a lot more super cool home runs in the future for my new Padres boyfriend, Matthew I, Batten. I feel like somebody should do their physics thesis on that. Like how that happened. Looking Way to aim that. high. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. We're on pace for a two hour or so episode here, but we have more stuff to say, including, you know, the stuff that's not fun, but we want to keep you updated with our police blotter segment. One of these days when I get really good at editing, I'm going to put in a little, woo, woo, woo. but, but Are now, you yeah, really? well, someday, someday the, the, when, when the, the crowds clamor pressed. for it. Yeah, maybe maybe I'll do it this time, and and it'll be it'll be impressive. Anyway, I'm just gonna in case you're wondering. <clears throat> oh jeez. Yeah, about Wander Franco. That's why you're a math teacher. Yeah, I I uh, I just figured like I should give you a quick update because I talked a lot about him the past two weeks. You'll be happy. I'm not gonna say much about him tonight. Just that last week I talked about the different charges that were being batted around, so to speak, against Wander Franco. Who overall, in case you haven't caught the last few episodes or any news about this in the last last month or so or several months, he is being accused of statutory rape, you know, an inappropriate relationship with a minor. The court rejected that 20 to 30 year commercial sex sexual exploitation charge that I talked about last week. That was a minimum of 20 years. So it's down to and, and their rationale is because it's just one victim. Apparently, that is a charge that has to be something uh, something beyond that. He is being charged with sexual and psychological aggression, and that still stands. And again, and that is also the same with the mother of the victim. So go back to last week's episode for more details. But hopefully I won't say anything about this for a while. The case is going to be wrapped up within six months. So I will be talking about this probably in about five or six months. My question is, that is definitely after the beginning of the baseball season, so MLB is, you know, investigating separately. So are they going to keep paying them or are they going to make their own determination before then? Because that's I think he stays on administrative leave until they until either there's a criminal yeah. charge that sticks or until right. MLB's investigation is done and there are sanctions. Right. Which means so I think they're paying him. He's gonna have some money. Yeah. There's a piece in the Washington Post about him as sort of a not so much a teaching moment as a, um, a a case to take a look at when teams make a decision to offer giant contracts to 
these guys who are basically unknowns. Yeah. This, the Athletic had a piece on that, the Ken Rosenthal piece mm. in The Athletic, that got a little bit of shit because of taking that. I mean, I, I think it got more shit than it deserved because it was it, – the, the title sort of looked like, you know, beware teams for making deals with young players because this might happen to them. But it, it was more – I think it was more nuanced, and I feel like they yeah. did sort of say that – this is a, you know, reprehensible act and it's yeah. not just about the money. I, I think, right, but I, I, I think the if you look at the point where there's a lot more we don't know, mm-hmm. as opposed to oh, guys sure. who come up through the MLB system where you're, right. you're looking at them for years right. in the minor leagues, it's not so much don't consider them, but maybe right. consider them more deeply. Yeah. Before. Well, I mean, and I brought that up last week when I said yeah. he got a big bonus when he signed at age whatever it was, 17 yeah. or 16. Like, that's a shit ton of money for a young guy. So, Hey, so uh, another guy that we've talked to uh, talked about a bunch in Police Blotter is Julio Urias. And I want to talk about him because it's important to define a couple of things. He was, a, uh, you know... A, accused in September of a suspicion of domestic violence for an incident between him and a woman after a soccer match. Uh, It went to the Los Angeles County District Attorney, who has declined to file felony charges Hmm. because neither the victim's injuries nor the defendant's criminal history justify a felony filing. And they have passed the case on to the city's district attorney's office to consider a misdemeanor. This is not the same as, as finding him innocent. Yeah. And that is super important, um, especially in the context of other baseball players having these court decisions come down and the people interpreting them as, look, you're found innocent. He has not yet been found innocent. And also the Major League Baseball investigation is still in place. So he was on administrative leave until he became a free agent. Mm -hmm. And when you're a free agent, you're not on a team. So you can't be on leave and you're not getting paid until you get signed by somebody. No one is signing him while all of these investigations are out in the open. There have been three other players who were investigated while they were free agents and none of them ever came back to playing Major League Baseball. So I'm not saying that's going to happen, but the precedent is such that it might because he's, he's, he's cut loose right now. Free agent. We'll see how it all turns out. But um, again, not found innocent, but just not found worthy of a felony filing. Yeah. And he was most recently on the Dodgers, you know, notably home of of another right suspect suspected. And isn't isn't um, Urias the the only one who's been charged twice? He. If he's convicted, he right. would be the only one who has been convicted twice. I don't know if there have been other people who have been charged multiple times, but he would be the only the, he'd be the first one who had a suspension or other consequence because of violating the domestic abuse policy of the league. Wow, what an accomplishment! All right, we're going to go to much happier accomplishments. We're going to talk about women in baseball. There were a couple of big things that happened this past week. Lisa Gauchi who we talked about way back in episode 238, is a young woman originally from Australia who uh, plays baseball, played baseball in Australia, came to uh, the United States in order to play baseball in college and played at Green River College. So she has been hired this week as a minor league hitting coach for the Brewers. So 
Not only did she play baseball in college, but she has a lot of other credentials behind her. She worked at Driveline, she was a coach in the Cape Cod League, she was a coach at Phoenix College, and she coached in the Arizona Fall League. So there's definitely, there's always a lot of questioning inappropriately online and social media about people, about when women get these positions, about, eh, they qualified, it's just a PR stunt, blah, blah, blah. No, she's actually incredibly qualified. And when we talked about her in episode 238, she was playing in the Australian Women's Showcase with a lot of other very qualified women that we've talked about. So it's really exciting to see names that we've talked about before actually moving up and getting recognition for everything that they have battled for. Here's so, another one. Cheers. Here's another one. Rachel mm-hmm. Balkovec, who you know as the first woman who to manage a minor league team, spent the last two years as uh, the manager of the Yankees single-A affiliate, the Tampa Tarpons. Before that, she was a hitting coach and also a strength and conditioning coach uh, with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. So this is all very exciting. Miami just hired her as their Yay. director of player development. This is a BFD right now. This is the nickname for that position is the farm director because she's overseeing all of the farm teams, wow. all of the the minor league affiliates um, under the new general manager who we didn't actually talk about with Miami who um Peter Mendix who replaced um Gracing as the as the general manager of Miami. Um she will be overseeing 150 players plus their coaches, their managers, like dozens of staff members. Wow. So this is this is a big deal. This is moving up from a really impressive position as being the manager of a minor league team to overseeing all of the minor leagues for a major league team. Yeah, she's so impressive. I mean, first of all, she's super fit. Like her weightlifting is crazy. Um, but also she's put in time to make herself bilingual so she can speak. I mean, for Miami, I think that's great because she can speak uh, to all of the players from many Latin American countries. So power to her. She's a great woman. Wow. All right, super, I don't know, I'm going to try to do this quickly. A quick trip into the winter leagues. The Liga de Baseball Profesional de Roberto Clemente in Puerto Rico is down to the finals, and it's the Criollos de Caguas against the Gigantes de Carolina. Right now, at the time of recording, they're tied one-to-one in the best of seven. So it's going to continue this week. But what you got to check out, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be in our to- show notes, is the, the locker room party when they made it to the finals because Yadier Molina is their manager. And he is... Um, Drinking uh, and dancing in the clubhouse with a lot of beer being sprayed, and you just have to check it out to see it for yourself. He last managed in the Navigantes de Magallanes last last season, but now he's just moving all up. I mean, he's going to make it to MLB manager at some point. I thought it was kind of notable that the top two batters in the playoffs are both former baseball boyfriends of mine. So Elliot Ramos, who I picked for the Giants, and I'm not quite sure where he is in MLB right now, but he came to, to the um, Cangrejeros, to the Gigantes as a as a reinforcement. He was with the Cangrejeros and he moved to the Gigantes. He is currently batting 375 in 16 at bats in the playoffs. And number two is Vimeyel Machin who's playing with the Criollos, and he was my 22 A's pick, and he's batting 350 on 20 at-bats. Okay, over to the Dominican Republic, Fran Milvreyes. So it's it's just boyfriend after boyfriend here. I had picked Fran Mil, I think, when he was with Cleveland. Um, he just signed a one-year, $1 million 
contract to play in Japan in the MPB with the Hokkaido Nippon Ham Fighters. Luckily, the team is letting him stay in the Dominican Republic to play with the Leones del Escogido through the playoffs, and they really need him at this point because we are down to the end of the Rod Robin, and at this point, in order for the, the Leones to go into the finals, they pretty much have to win the next four games and hope somebody else loses. The Gigantes are eliminated, and your former guy, Williams Astudio, as well as Fernando Rodney, were playing on that team. So that leaves three. First place is Estrellas Orientales, and that's the team that's managed by Tatis Sr. Tatis Jr. is still playing, as is Robinson Cano, who's doing really well, nice. and, and Jerickson Profar. And they actually debuted Johnny Cueto. So Profar, Tatis, and Cano, all former baseball boyfriends of mine. Johnny Cueto pitcher so not a, a boyfriend but i just thought it was fascinating that they brought him in like this week to to play like the weird stuff happens in in the winter leagues um in tigres de lycee uh, my four i have two former baseball boyfriends there jorge afaro and magnoria sierra who i picked way back in 2018 in the marlins hasn't done anything in mlb since then but is playing with lycee so it's really bes- between lycee and orientales my my poor leones not only do they have Fran Reyes, but they also have Salvador Perez, another former pick of mine. Just uh, today, actually, starting tomorrow, Gio Urshela, formerly of the Yankees, is going to be a reinforcement for Tigres de Lycée. So it's just fascinating to me that they can just pull in these guys at the last minute. He last played in lead on in 2018-19. Round Robin ends the 18th, so we will be going on to the finals mighty soon. Venezuela, their round robin ends on the 21st. Right now we have la, la, the Tiburones de la Guira, Cardinales de Lara, Leones de Caracas, Bravos de Margarita, and Aragua. I forgot. I don't remember what, what comes before Aragua, but they're, they're in last place. Um, Yasiel Puig, talking about guys who <laughs> didn't get convicted <laughs> while being free agents, Um has been raking down there and really, really wants to make it back to Major League Baseball. And I really, really think that he's taking the same path as, say, Trevor Bauer and that they're not coming back. But he's doing really well with the Tiburones. He has a 415 average in the playoffs. But after him comes another former guy of mine, Il Del Maro Vargas, who's playing with my Cardinales de Lara with a 400 average. Yermin Mercedes, who was, you know, the biggest news for a hot minute when he showed up in the White Sox before Tony Larissa clamped that down. He's playing, oh, it's Tigres de Aragua. He's playing with them with a 371 average. Puig really has been making a difference ever since, also especially since Acuna left um, the, the Tiburones. He's tied for number one in home runs and RBI. And just my last little side note, pitching leader in LVBP playoffs right now is Felix Dubron, which any other crazy Red Sox fans like me might remember from when he was on the Red Sox. He also played in CPBL for for ah. my um, Lions over there. And he currently has a 1.93 ERA with the Bravos de Margarita. And uh, and that's it for the winner, winner roundup. Yeah, boy. Whew. 
So I could blame the drinks or mm. I could blame the fact that I'm old, but I misspoke. And those of you who are currently oh. typing uh, the the to the complaint department, the corrections department, that I said Grace Ng instead of Kim. Oh, Ng. I was, I was, yeah. It took I, me a minute. Don't know where that came from. I apologize. I predict that our intern will have texted us before they get to the end of listening <laughs> to this episode to correct me on this. It's Kim. It's Kim. It's Kim. I know it's Kim. Sorry yeah. about that. All right. Good thing we have tomorrow off to recover Holy because shit. clearly our brains need a yeah. little extra time after two days off. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to be editing with a whiskey, I think, tonight because I want tomorrow really? to be. Yeah. Because I tomorrow's going to be my get shit done day. We've got to clean out the kitchen, move all our shit somewhere else because it's getting ripped up on Tuesday. You have no choice. It's, I work right. better with a deadline. Yeah. Well, all this is things, a deadline. <laughs> yeah. All the things that I have to do. I should have done already, but nothing bad is going to happen if I don't do them. Yeah. It's just they're just dragging out, so which just makes it hard for me to to get shit done. Yeah, well, yeah. that's yeah. So I want to get this done tonight. Tomorrow I'm going to shift, and all will be good. All right, all right. Anything else besides packing up and then you know hey, for this week? No, I'm going to be working on my drumming still, folks. Uh, there, there. I did get a little bit of a comment of maybe people want to see me drumming on Patreon. So I want to we'll encourage see. that because I, yeah. I think this is something that um, that needs to happen. I, I, th <laughs> yeah. I think we need to have video, audio proof right. that the ACDC catalog is the thing that goes on. Although yeah. when I opened the computer that I use here today, oh, it, was, it was a yoga pose. <laughs> I was about, So I, I think I was gonna... that potty mouth contains right. multitudes. That's true. Yeah. 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 So I, I thought I was going to make it clean out of the episode on that one. Phew. But I, nope. it, I, flying pigeon is is the name of that pose, and I can I can fly like a pigeon. <laughs> I, Steve Miller is one of my favorites from childhood. So yeah, that's that was one of the very first albums that I bought with yeah. my own money. Fly like a pigeon. Fly like a pigeon. Yep. Yep. Oh my lord. Oh my lord. My friends. My friends. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for sticking with us. I'm. I can't believe we stuck with us. Yeah. Really for all of that. But um. For yeah. Uh, can you please get your boosters? Yeah. That would be a great thing to do. Wait. We got to tell them how to find us though. But yeah. they don't need to correct anything because we've right. already corrected everything. <laughs> Fine. Please come talk to us. So I tried something new this week. We are now on Blue Sky along with X because I really hate X. Twitter. I don't even know what Blue Sky is because I'm an old person. It's very small. It's it's not. There are not a lot of folks on there. But if you are on there, just like on X and Twitter, we are at NCIB Podcast. It's cute. There's The problem is, you know, as far as like information retrieval, I feel like still dependent on the Twitter thing because that's where like all the teams and all the leagues are. But Blue Sky is kind of friendly. So I'm, I, I enjoy looking at Blue Sky more than the other thing. Is that where the pigeons fly? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'll be a flying pigeon on Blue Sky. Facebook wow. and Instagram are also perfectly fine places to find us. But you have to look for No Crying and B-Ball in those places. And the aforementioned Patreon, we are trying really hard to put stuff on there and make it a fun community. And please join us. And we and, and I don't want to totally not mention it. We've been talking about the baseball boyfriend name last week. Uh, so if you're wondering where we're at with that, come to our Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-R-N. E-O-N slash no, no crying in b-ball. Yeah. We're going to have a poll. It's going to be fun. We've got ideas. But be part of the voting community on Patreon. <sighs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Wow. That's so much. That's yep, so much. That's a lot. Fight the man is the right thing to do. If you have those game balls sitting around, send them to Meredith. And until next week, say goodnight, Potty Mouth. Good night, Potty Mouth.
I chugged my beer. You what? I chugged my beer. Oh my god, you chugged your beer. <laughs> it's a shocker, I know. It is I, it is surprising. Mine's really, really empty. So I don't <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Sorry. Did you need to wring it out right. or something? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's well I think there's like a, a sip left. 